Beavs coming off a uh, Pac-12 opener series defeat to the Cougs, and we welcome on the very first guest to the Beaverman Beat Podcast. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Beaverman Beat Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Beaverman Beat Podcast. Today is Tuesday, March 14th. For you math nerds out there, happy Pi Day, 3.1415, you all know the rest. Um, what a day it is to be here listening to the podcast. Uh, we'll do a quick recap um, of Oregon State series, and then we'll do the interview, and then we'll wrap up with a recap of my predictions for the weekend in Pac-12 and how those went. Um, not too bad, but there's some askew, but uh, it's baseball, anything can happen. Um so I wanted to get right into this uh, recap real quick. It was a tough three-game series and a tough-fought three-game series at that. Um, something that the Beavs were never out of in any game and also never really dominated any aspect of the games. Um, game three was a really tough one with that 3-1 loss, but two of those unearned runs coming in the, the first inning off a throwing error uh, by Kyle Dernetti, which I got to give him a little bit of a leeway to because it's a I don't want to say it was a hard play it was just a very awkward play watching it he, they had a shift over so he was kind of set up the middle and it was just hit like an, a weird amount to his right side that he had to get over and didn't really have enough time to get around the ball and it was kind of in between her of whether he should have backhanded it or squared it up like he did and um, unfortunately then probably couldn't get his feet set right underneath him and and threw it away that allowed the inning to continue and Washington State then tacked on um, a, a run there, uh, those two runs. So kind of had uh, just that sour feeling, and then also only the one hit um, on the offense. That's, that's all, You're always going to run into trouble winning ball games when you uh, are only getting one hit a game. But again, I thought Trent Sellers came out, and he looked really good. Uh, his line for the day was six innings, three hits, Nine strikeouts, three walks. He continues to improve and impress. Uh, really coming on. And, I mean, obviously he had his numbers from the season before with the 14 wins and the strikeout record at his previous school, but you really didn't know how it would translate. Um, but that was kind of about as perfect as the first day that you could have uh, with him going six innings, Ferrer, your setup guy, getting six outs and handing it over to the closer, Ryan Brown. So I thought pitching-wise, everything kind of went perfect for them. They did run to maybe a foreshadowing of some trouble when Washington State went to their bullpen in Game 1. Um, Connor Wilford came on in the 5th and then threw four hitless innings. Um, so the offensive woes kind of started early, although the Beavs had already just tacked on enough runs and had a really strong pitching for them in the first game. Uh, on the offensive side of things, five runs in that game. Micah McDowell and Mikey Kane kind of led the way, both with multiple hits, uh, as well as a couple extra base hits. Micah McDowell and Mikey Kane both had a double. Well, uh, so Ruben Cedillo tacked on the other extra base, another double. Um, a lot of strikeouts here in this game. Something that I think we saw most of the weekend was a little bit of an uptick in strikeouts. As now we're getting into some uh, better pitching. Cougs coming off this weekend uh, have earned the 20 spot in the D1 baseball rankings. 
and I do have to say I think that is well deserved I think it is earned and uh, we'll see where that translates to moving forward um, game two was the first game that the Beavs dropped on the weekend and uh, this one was just kind of back and forth most of the time Greg Fuchs um, ex-Beaver former Beaver kind of delivered a nail in the coffin with a two-run homer uh, in the fourth which it's really for the nail in the coffin but the Beavs only mustered one run after that um, a bit of a quieter day on offense again double-digit strikeouts as a ball club Pitching was was all right. Nelson uh, Kelho struggled a little bit out of the bullpen. Um, he only got a third of an inning recorded, but he faced um, uh, four batters there. Um, got the one strikeout, but also gave up two hit or one hit and a couple walks, um, and kind of set up a beginning there for the Cougs as they tacked things on late and really buttoned up that victory. Um, nothing really jumping off the page from the offense. Sternetti had a, a couple RBIs on a double that gave the Beavs the lead early on. I think that was in the second inning, and that was it for the most part as, as things went for the Beavers. They tacked on one more run in the bottom half of the eighth, uh, but that is about it. Uh, really just, again, see the offense struggle a little bit. Seven hits total in this ballgame, and... Uh, Especially, I mean, obviously we know I already talked about game three. They only got the one hit. So things really stifled there going into the weekend. I thought pitching held up, but um, oddly enough, the offense, which the first half of the season so far, or everything that's happened so far, um, it was kind of the opposite. Or I wouldn't say the opposite, but uh, the, the offense didn't look to be a problem at all. Um, so that's going to happen, though, as you get into Pac-12 play, into conference play. The teams are going to get tougher, and the pitchers are going to become... Uh, a little bit tougher than Beavs have a little bit of a tough road ahead of them. We'll get into full weekend previews on Thursday's episode. Um, we will do the, the power rankings at the end of this episode, uh, but they'll have a, two midweek games tonight and tomorrow night against Nevada, and then on the road to Stanford, who just dropped a series to USC, but I think is still a pretty high-class team, a pretty pretty upper echelon team. Um, top eight team after losing a couple tough series on the road but um yeah overall probably a little disappointing for the beeves this weekend i think the broadcast was saying that that was the first time washington states won a series in corvallis in like 14 years um, so it's kind of a bummer this is the first time the cougars are ranked in a long long time um, it is exciting to see what they've got going on out there it has been a while since this washington state program was relevant in the uh, in the game of baseball so it's fun to see um, the Cougs out there, but it does hurt that they came and take two out of three from the Beavs, especially getting the videos of Greg Fuchs dancing on the field after, and uh, Wazoo put out a video after the series, and I think 90% of the highlights were just Greg Fuchs, so um, that one stings a little bit. Kudos to those guys, I suppose. Uh, Jake Harvey, I don't think, got any run for the Cougars. I don't know if that is an injury thing or what is going on there. Let me just make sure. Yeah, he did not appear in any three box scores. Um, but, uh, and I, I feel like should go. I should mention, uh, Jaron Hunter, I thought he looked good on, on Sunday as well. He, he kind of just, those two unearned runs are really what screwed him. Um, he went six innings, no earned. And walked three, but struck out six. And, and I thought he did a pretty good job. For the most part, and unfortunately, there's just that one little awkward play, and in the game of baseball, those things can really uh, set the tone for the game. You know, just the one hit on the day for the Beavers, 
Uh, it was a Tanner Smith single. And then after a walk, a uh, stolen base, I think, and then a Bazana sacrifice fly. That is how the Beavs uh, tacked on that extra run to make things 2-1. to one. And then the, the Washington State gave themselves the insurance in the ninth by tacking on a third. Um, so Beavs dropped to 11-4 and four and start off 1-2 and two in Pac-12 play. Uh, like I said, I'll get to the power rankings on the back end of uh, the interview here, which um, we will switch over to now. So very first interview, uh, we've got Henry Nagelon, uh, old friend, old roommate down in Corvallis. Uh, and we are talking about the top five things that we wish to see offered um, in the season ticket holder package for, for any sport at Oregon State. So tune into this. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Um, let me know. I'm sure there's some options that we missed there. We we settled these lists out at the pub. Uh, so without further ado, here's your very first interview on the Beaverman Beat Podcast. Uh, take it away. 30. All right, we are here. Very first uh, time for the Beaverman Beat Podcast with a guest on. We've got, uh, you can find him on Twitter at Henry R. Nagel. It is the one, the only, Henry Nagel in from Oregon City today. Um, joining the podcast. Welcome on. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. Uh, never done a podcast interview, but you know, I've had several interviews over the years. So <laughs> we're, we're breaking ground here. It's first for myself. It's first for him. Uh, so figured uh, skip over the parts that we might be fumbling and we'll just jump into it. And today what we have for you is uh, we're both first time season ticket holder members, season ticket uh, holders. Yeah. For, for <laughs> Oregon State football. And uh, we are going to discuss uh, top five things that each of us wanted to see in the package uh, that we don't think are included. These might be, we might come across as some surprises as the years go on and as the season progresses. Uh, Scott Barnes, if you're listening, feel free, pull out a pen and paper. Uh, I'll give you a couple seconds here to make sure you've got those things in front of you and write them down <laughs> and uh, we can get into it. We'll go draft style. Uh, not a snake, we'll go Henry, myself, Henry, myself, until we get through five. Him being the guest, I will give him his first overall pick. And uh, take it away. What do you got for me? One number one thing you want to see is a beaver, beaver season a, ticket holder member. There's a lot of pressure, um, but with the new regulations of not being able to leave at halftime, myself being a little bit of a partier, I would like to see a discount at the concession stands for all season ticket holders. So good pick. You know, so we can get instead of paying twelve bucks for a beer, we get it for you know whatever seven or. Whatever, you know, I, I had something similar. I was being a bit ambitious. I did say one free beer per game. I like that. I like that. Um, free beer and a hot dog. Throw a hot dog, Scott. You're a dog, you know? <laughs> yeah, you keep the hot dogs out, and you're going to have a whole bunch of people out there uh, causing havoc in the stands and hoopla and running on the field and, and all sorts. I'm with you there. Uh, it is going to be a, a weird. I didn't do much of leaving at halftime and coming back. I think the two or three times I've done it. Uh, I missed like all of the third quarter. Yes. So uh, I'm not too bummed about it. Uh, you know, no longer being in the student section, we can have beers in our seats without having to sneak them. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll support oh, the team. I'll, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, you could uh, drink them on the concourse, but you couldn't go down into the. Unless you conveniently had a jacket with the pocket that fit a tall boy in there, and oh, like we couldn't go into the student section no. with the beer. Technically, That's you right. had to, yeah, you had to stay buzzkill, or they would come down and. and uh, thankfully, they just removed you from the student section until you finished it, and then you yeah. could uh, polish it off up top. I have a question before you go to your next draft pick. Yeah, or your first draft pick. 
when you say one free beer, is there a certain size, or can we go up to like you know like seventy two ounces on that? <laughs> or is there a cap at like say, sixteen or twenty four? One free can. So probably 16. So as much as you can fit in it. Unless uh, we need to get some Fosters. We need to yeah. do a deal with Fosters. Yeah, and get I know big, someone that would love that. Get Calvin the big Green. 32 guys in there. Calvin Green, Southeast Asia next week. I'm excited for him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, I mean, I've got a, a pretty long list here. Um, and I don't know which one I want to jump on first. I want to make sure it's something that you don't have. Uh, I think this would be something that's pretty cool. Uh Give me 20% off the Beaver store. I like that. Uh, if you've got a guy going to be at all six, seven, or five home games of a football season, get him in the newest stuff. Yep. I'm sure Nike won't be opposed to no. having their new stuff all out there on the streets and out there in the uh, packed Reacher Stadium crowds as whatever media deal gets worked out will be on uh, camera in front of tens of thousands or just tens if it stays with the Pac-12 network. Um, so I, I give me 20% off the Beaver store. Some of that shit's already out, overpriced. Um, bring it down a little bit. Work a deal. These guys are already spending a little bit more money to get to your games every weekend. Yeah, they have so many little doodads and little fun things there, like you know, like a little mini helmet or like you know, uh, even like a water bottle or like a mug. And it's always like a little bit too expensive. You're like, ah, I don't know, I don't. all of it. Yeah, so I think that would be a good idea. Twenty percent off for all season ticket holders. Ninety percent, uh, no, one hundred percent of the things that I wear to Oregon State athletic events. I did not purchase from the Beaver store. Yeah, I got my jersey from Goodwill. Uh, hats from Baseballism and Ten Barrel. Man. Yeah, I, I thrifted my sweater. I got a hand-me-down jacket. I got a, another jacket from Goodwill. Yeah. Um, the shirts that <laughs> I probably wear for Oregon State are thrifted or um, handouts at baseball games and whatnot. So... I mean, obviously, I'm not spending that much money there. That's done me off, too. I see that. Keeping <laughs> uh, it up a little bit for the people that are going to be at your at your venue, in your town, spending money at your bars, at your new brand new stadium, cheap it up a little bit of merchandise for them. Spread the beaver fever. Yeah. All right. I, I, I like that one. So are we doing it to where you get the next pick, or I do? No, let's go you. Let's not, <laughs> let's not allow for getting lost in the snake. Okay. Um, I know I... Kind of touched on this earlier, but or not early, like you know, a couple of days ago or something. Um, like upgrading the seats, so you know if you have all your seats. Let's say you have two season tickets. The other person can't go, and you know you can't find someone. It's last minute, and you're by yourself, and you want to kind of move up. You know, spend like an extra, like twenty, thirty bucks for a you single get an upgrade. Yeah, it'd be awesome. I like go that closer, and you know, get closer to the. Uh, players and action, all that, because some of us have on the cheaper side of the tickets. <laughs> and I think it's something that uh, if you're a, a Beaver athletic higher up, you can't mind because then those TV cameras are going to catch more of your crowd. Mm-hmm. If you allow some of those people that are sitting maybe higher up to move down if they're not fulfilling all their seats up there, or even if they're just available. Because another thing, kind of how, how I had the, the first one of yours on my list, I had this one similar. Um, my thing was to have the ushers not not give a shit if you moved to a closer <laughs> seat if you were a season ban ticket all holder. ushers. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not ban them all. Because, uh, but if you're a season ticket holder, it gives you the ability to roam the stadium, yeah. roam the grounds, and, and get into some of those closer seats. But um, yeah, probably be more likely if you paid yeah. for it. So well, I, I like where you're coming out there. Yeah, I know at the baseball games, you know, you'd have an usher in right field that would, you know, let you in. 
or whatever. And then some ushers around the infield would let you in, even though if you had a right field ticket. You know, and those are right. It's very subjective as to whoever is uh, yeah. who's the one yeah, at, the, at the gate. That beer garden, you know, you get like cheaper stuff there, right? And it's like the atmosphere in left field is very fun, right? And it's limited, so and you're missing that in the outfield, right? I like the outfield for what it is. Hopefully, they make some uh, uh, breaking news, guys. This is recorded during history, history in the making. Puerto Rico has just thrown the first ever perfect game in World Baseball Classic history uh, against that- Israel. Uh, eight inning game, the run rule was invoked, so 10-0 win for Puerto Rico. But uh, you heard it here first, if you're listening or don't pay attention to World Baseball Classic. Uh, Puerto Rico, 10-0, no hits, no base runners for Israel. Um, a tough way for them to exit the uh, exit the World Baseball Classic today. Oh, but. Yeah, back to what you were saying. I, I agree with you. I think that's something that... Why not? Yeah. Uh, you like having empty seats? I, I tried to go to a Tuesday night. Right, it was probably a Thursday night against basketball game at Gill against Washington State. I had seats uh, right above the student section at Gill uh, in those seated areas. And I tried to go across the court and sit <laughs> behind the scorer's table. And uh, they tracked me down like a hawk from both sides to check my ticket. And... Uh, that was a 3-21 and 21 basketball team playing against Washington State on a Thursday night. Nobody was sitting in any of those seats. No. And that's the side that the camera points to. Yeah. Um, I know. My mom is a huge believer in moving down as the game progresses. To me, it makes no <laughs> sense. and it, it, I get that you know, you're just going to have everybody buying the cheaper seats and then moving down there. But um, I bet you this is probably some odd marketing example where if you make things cheaper, more people will pay for it and then... Uh, you end up breaking even. Um, so I, I'm with you there. I'd like to see that. Especially now as being season ticket holders, it'd be awesome to <laughs> kind of scoot down and maybe get to sit on the new side a little bit. But um, I'm sure something that will will come in due time. Uh, well, hopefully we don't have that problem. Hopefully every seat is filled. Oh, there'll be a sellout every game this year. <laughs> yeah, I hope for those yeah, we'll Friday night games too. I might be being ambitious, but... Uh, moving along for... My next, my number two pick. This is something that I know won't get picked by you, but it's something that I'm just eager and I want it to be a second round pick more than a fifth round. Um, every season ticket holder should be able to do a recruiting visit. <laughs> get in there, get the oh, jersey Lord. on, get the pads on, whatever sport it is, get the gear on, uh, do the photo shoot, get the experience, get the tour. Um, oh, I thought you meant going on a recruiting visit with like, oh, like Johnny Smith. <laughs> no, like like you go into a recruit's house. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking you. You get shown around campus. You get uh, in the locker rooms. You know, uh, post the picture with the chainsaw if your if your sport of choice is football. Uh, choose whatever sport you'd like. Uh, maybe it's conducive to whichever sport you have the season tickets for. Uh, but, I mean, do, like, the bye weekend or away weekends or something and, and free up some time. I'm sure not everybody would do it. I'm sure only people that had the time and, and wanted to do it would go. But, uh, God, I'd love something like that. Putting on the jerseys. You know, it's always great when the recruits have, like, their dads in. And you get the <laughs> yeah. dad in the, in the jerseys. And that's what half of these people would be, like, just season ticket holders and Division One football uniforms and pads. And yeah, You just can't let it turn into a Brian Kelly... LSU. Yeah, we'll probably keep uh, keep John Smith away. <laughs> probably keep him in the office or on the you practice field or something. John of sort. Smith it in the but, some uh, weird dance. Scott, if you're hearing this and you like it, but you're worried about staffing, let me know. 
I'll uh, I'll come down and I'll orchestrate. I'll hold things down for you. Uh, I think that'd be killer. And I know you'd you be the covered. yeah. I'll keep it covered. I'll keep things held down. And I know we'd be the only team in the, in, in the country doing something of that sort. Uh, so give me that one for me for number two. Is uh, give me a recruiting visit for whatever sport I'm a season ticket holder for. Yeah, I like that. Um, on the note of having fun with our university, you know, you know, do the whole recruitment uh, event deal. I was saying, I want. I mean, I want to be selected to perform on like a TV timeout or halftime because I know that's that is so fun to watch because. I remember I was at a basketball game and I saw Danner shoot at half court and it missed by like 20 feet. Yep. Yeah, I've been at games where you had to shoot free throws and they were airballing them. That looks so fun. I would just love to do that. Or just see like, you know, get get selected to go down at halftime and throw some ball across. (laughs) See how fast you can throw a fastball down the boat there in the seventh inning stretch. Uh, Yeah, I had, again, I had something similar. Uh, last last season, somebody drilled a 20-yard field goal for like a, a huge All-State check, um, and that was electric. Get get halftime down there, and let's pick some random fans to go out there and uh, give their best shot at kicking a 30-yard field goal. Because you know, Beaver Twitter members, you know that these are the people that are on Twitter uh, bitching and moaning about the kickers and the punters of college football, thinking that uh, it's so easy. Let's get them out there in front of 10,000 uh, up to 40,000 and see how many field goals they can make out there at halftime. And then put their tweets up on the jumbo. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> As you introduce them onto the field, you got to read one of their tweets. Uh, again, Scott, I can help you with that. I'd love to surface some of those old ones for you because there are some folks on here that have some heinous, heinous claims. Uh, for my third pick, this one is uh, also out of left field. And this would have to be a lottery situation. Maybe the a team would have to look into social medias and fan interactions. Uh, give me the option to be Benny. Put on the beaver head, put on the costume, and, and get out there and rouse some beaver fans up. During a game? During a game. It's uh, it's grounds for something crazy happening, something out of left field going on. Uh, but tell me that that won't go viral on uh, on anything and get a lot of eyes on your product. Is this media deal is a big thing on who's getting their eyes on what. Uh, if you put a 50-year-old man in uh, the Benny the Beaver costume and roll him out there for the second quarter... Uh, Something funny is bound to happen, and uh, I think it's an avenue that uh, season ticket holders should be able to apply for and, and get the opportunity if they'd like. Get them out there and, and put them in front of the fans. Put them in front of the students and see what we get going on there. I like that. I can see <laughs> Benny comes out in a... Uh, what is this? A walker? A walker. <laughs> Benny down in a walker and... Bust it to the side and it's a little bust down. <laughs> um, okay, so what is my third pick? It's going to be uh, number four here, I oh, think, for you. Oh, yeah, four, four. Yeah, four. We're, around, we're over the bump. We're on the way home. Yep. So, you know, as I get older, I move slower. The knees start to hurt. I would like a little bit of an early entry, you know, and kind of like they probably already have that for, you know, people that pay a little bit higher. But you can go in there, find your seats. I mean, you probably know where they are. But, you know, you get comfortable. <laughs> And you kind of can you can skip all the lines. You can get your you know your beer and a hot dog or whatever you're getting. And I like this too because it gives you a chance to meet other season ticket holder members. I d- yeah. Create a sense of community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once you get in there, probably more conducive to hanging out on the concourse in the common areas of the stadium, especially with our new Beaver Street going in on the on the new side. Um, get people in checking that out. Um, everybody that's getting season tickets is donating to the construction fund. 
Um, so get them over there. Like, give them a little private chance to look over there uh, along the same lines. Tours, I think, would be something cool for them to do with the new side. Is, uh, if you got tickets over there, hey, God bless you. Good for you. Um, but I think it's something that a lot of fans are only going to see from the other side and then walk the concourse of and not get through the experience. So get them in there and show them around. I like where you're heading. That yeah. And these fans that are also experts can talk, you know, game plans right. <laughs> for the game. Right, right. And uh, set, I think, uh, set it straight, you know, what we need to do to win. We'll fix, we'll not fix, we'll instill the culture of Oregon State alumni being coaches because, you know, once everybody's collaborating up there, some good ideas are bound to Well, to baseball, come. they already do it. They got, you know... Yeah, Every, uh, all the coaches went there. So. The, the crew out at, uh, at or and even outside of the coaching staff, just the season ticket holders and the fan base at, for Oregon State baseball is one of the most cohesive that you'll see. And it's uh, it's an old boys club, and it sure is a damn good time to be a, a fly on the wall for you. Hear those guys talk about stories, especially most of them being players or fans or coaches or family, uh, family or something of that sort. Uh, so I like where your heads at there. Can get them all together. Um, my fourth pick, I'm going to go with, um, especially now with NIL, this used to be something that was illegal. Uh, let's give season ticket holders a chance to get some game used, maybe autographed memorabilia first before we put this on, uh, whether it's like the Oregon State surplus or anything of that sort. Give them the opportunity to get uh, game balls, game jerseys, some helmets. I'd kill for a helmet. Um, I think that's something cool. Uh, after the Oregon game, I was standing outside the Beaver store, and a guy walked by me with two pylons. Uh, from running on the field, I think that was a nice grab by him. I wish I had the presence of mind to get down there and do the same. Uh, but uh, yeah, is that go. legal to take the pylons? Probably not. <laughs> Especially that game's on ESPN, so there's probably cameras embedded in those pylons. Yeah, but Tennessee took the field goal posts. Tennessee did take the field goal posts, uh, and then I think lost the two weeks consecutive after that to uh, South Carolina and somebody else. But uh, SEC is not my prowess, so I'll avoid those, those talks. Um, it means yeah. more. I mean, uh, can you think of? Imagine if you could get uh, game used memorabilia from that Civil War game or from the Vegas Bowl, or as we go forward here, hopefully some bigger, big time games. Um, I think that'd be a cool little tidbit for Oregon State season ticket holders to look at their hands on, and would also drive season ticket holders uh, to get more memberships. Definitely. All right, last pick here for you. A lot of pressure coming down to it. Um. Kind of deciding between two here. Um, I would like to see, you know, we kind of already touched on this, but with a discounted, it kind of sounds like we just want a bunch of things, right? But I, I would like to see, like, you know, everyone gets a hat or a shirt or a foam finger or sunglasses. Like, I know they give it to the students for the first 10,000, but it'd be cool to get one for like every game. So, like, because back in the day, you'd have like a, um, you know, you go to Will Call and get your ticket, and it would have, like, a cool, like, picture on that. And right. I used to collect those for, like, Blazer games. Right. And it was kind of like, it was always a different, you know, they'd have an artist. You had this physical ticket yeah. stuff instead of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and now you have nothing to show for the games. Right. Except, like, online. So I think it would be cool to have, you know, some sort of uh, memorabilia that you get from each game. They're like, oh, yeah, this is the game that we beat, you know, U-Dub by 60. See, and I like that because uh, – same view. I've seen some organizations in sports, if they've got like a big-time prospect uh, coming up and they know that it'll be a big deal, or if it's a basketball, your first overall pick, um, on the night of their debut, you can. Uh, it's like a giveaway because you get the mobile ticket, so you can't actually have a, a physical ticket stub, but yeah. if you enter, it'll be 
say if it was Rushman's first game, um, you would flash your digital ticket and then they would give you a ticket uh, that they printed only to say the, kind of the significance of the game. So I think that's a, a money idea. And even if there's not a huge significance in the game, just put... Uh, but it'll attract people. I mean, this can be just not even for... Like, I just thought of this, but like giving out like bobbleheads. Everyone loves yeah. bobbleheads. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Those are so cool. And they're like collector's items and you put them on like your desk or just anywhere to be seen, really. And it's been a long time since Oregon State has done a bobblehead. I want to say the last one that they did was Jamar Jefferson, but it was like through 76, the gas station. Yeah, with NIL, I'm sure that they can do some sort of partnership, but I've never actually seen an Oregon State bobblehead. So. Yeah, so let's see here. I did a, a quick search. I've got a Mike Riley one that you can buy on eBay for $53, um, if you'd like. A lot of the Benny the Beaver ones. Um, yeah, but, but this that's is all the, I'm finding. Are, you know, Benny so. the Beaver doesn't have a... A payroll, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's uh, our mascot. If you did a, a, he's a beaver. If you did a, a Damian Martinez, the whole running back room as a, a bobblehead there, that'd be really uh, cool. Or, or like, like Jaden Grant with the saw. There's, I think, there's a lot of opportunities there. Make giveaways, do some exclusive ones, and uh, yeah, because even those hats from the Civil War were a huge hit. Uh, so I could only imagine the cowboy hats. The cowboy hats, yeah, yeah. Um, they were Which, all over TV, man. I heard giving away hats were a bad idea at the beginning of the season because uh, somebody thought the students would throw them on the field and become unruly with them. But uh, but no, those turned out to be a hit as I thought they would be and uh, something that probably most people will remember about that game for a long time coming. I still have mine yeah, you know, stationed you, up next to my television. Yeah, that's my point. Like We look at that hat and you and know like, exactly oh, what it was from. That's when we ran the ball like 19 straight times. 19 straight times yeah. and beat... You know, that team, so... <laughs> yeah, I had somebody on Twitter argue with me that um, Oregon State didn't dominate that game. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to tell them, like, dude, they ran the ball 19 consecutive times to come back from 17 down. Um, I think that's what you'll find under the and definition. Was their head coach the defensive coordinator for the national champions? The defensive coordinator <laughs> for the national champions. <laughs> yeah, one of the, the all-time great defenses in college football. The coordinator. <laughs> couldn't stop 19 straight Oregon State runs. Uh, and, now, and now we've got... Uh, an experienced quarterback back there too, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, but uh, I'll round mine out. My number five pick. Um, this is something that I know you can pay for as an add-on. I think uh, at least uh, still early on in the process for us. Let's open up parking to just any season ticket holder. Uh, maybe do like if you get there earlier, you know, obviously first come first serve, but really just improve the tailgating atmosphere around the stadium. Um, there's some great areas at the game. There's some great, you know, out by Kelly Engineering, out by the baseball stadium. There's great little pockets of it. But if you just allow everybody to not have to pay an arm and a leg to park at the stadium and allow some of those diehard fans that have uh, those tailgates out or outlying parking lots, uh, I think the area around the stadium could become a ton of fun. And there's so much parking around there, and you just built that whole new gorgeous facade on the east side. Um, Play to it, you know. Let the people let the people party in the ter- in in the parking lot. So, do you think with the new rule going in effect, do you think people are just going to go into the game later than they would? I think you'll see people going later, like second quarter. I hope not second quarter, but definitely probably not uh, not for kick. But I think this is also something that with the new lighting and new scoreboard, new stadium, that you can uh, Sarah O'Connor and the gang can can make something that is can't miss 
pregame <laughs> spectacle, whether that's a lighting show or something of the sort. There's some really, really cool things that schools out there are doing now with the LED lights, so you can flash them different colors and on and off really quick instead of the old uh, ones that would take a couple minutes to fire up like we saw in Seattle last season. Um, you know, make, make it worthwhile for the fans to be in there before kickoff. I know the Beaver used to be at midfield with a plunger, and he would like light off the stick of dynamite, and that would be when the Beavers would run out. I thought that was cool. They haven't done that in a couple years. Uh, the Let me lead the team out. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> Let me be like Ray Lewis out there. <laughs> well, uh, Baylor does something similar. Baylor, the very first game of their season, all the students they That's run on the awesome. field, and then they make like a big like tunnel, and then the team runs through. That's that. awesome. But we do the walk, which is kind of. It's cool. A lot of places do that. It's just so early before the game. They yeah. Uh, and they've helped with Beaver, or not, I guess it probably won't be Beaver Street anymore because that's in the stadium, but doing that little thing outside of Gill Coliseum um, <laughs> is a nice touch, but especially like with students now, the students have to be in line before that happens. Do if they, they, do want they to rip see... through the paper like in the movies? No, I don't think they... <laughs> It'd be a nice touch, though. But, uh, everyone starts getting trampled. <laughs> but, I mean, the students are beating the team to the stadium these days. So it's like you don't really want to leave your spot in line to get the student section to go out and welcome the team in. I remember for the Civil War, um, I stood there in line as the buses drove by and the team unloaded. You could hear the fanfare, but you didn't want to get out of line. You'd been waiting there for an hour. Yeah. And I was still in uh, on about the 25 or 30-yard line. So um, I think that's something that you'll continue to see is the football team stays relevant the students will want to be there earlier and be there more often yeah and you know with how expensive the um the tailgate spots are Mm -hmm. that's where i see kind of like eh, you know if you spend 15 grand let's say i don't know it's pretty high i don't know what it is but you know for a whole season right if i'm spending 15 grand i'm gonna get my 15 grand worth you know so i could see where some of these people you know, they have an RV. It's like all beaver themed. They have TVs. They have right. heater. They have food. They have cheap beer. Right. They probably won't go in it right at the kickoff. Yeah, but, I don't. I don't. But know they're if... also dedicated fans. They have beaver RVs. Right. I, <laughs> so... uh, I I actually talked to the fan, and he had a killer setup. He had a whole like trailer that was rigged out, and it was wrapped from like the 08 season. I think he had quiz on there, and a bunch of guys from that team. And I was talking with him uh, before it was for senior night two seasons ago. It was right before the last game with uh, the old side of research still standing. And I went over there and talked to him about it. I think he had four spots, four or five spots, and it was 5000 for all of those. Oh, really? For but the whole season? For the whole season. So not too bad, but that's just parking. So including tickets, depending on where he was seated, you know, those, those things can kind of mm-hmm. get up there. But he had a killer setup, and he had heat inside the tents, and he had beer on tap, and <laughs> TVs, and... See, that's uh, the problem, like... Especially, that was a late November game. It was like 35 degrees go. outside. <laughs> yeah, it was damn cold. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, the Jack Coletto run. He busted in on, like, fourth and two, like, halfway through the fourth quarter. And, uh... But, yeah, you know, open up the lots for people like that, that and then it will increase kind of the that sense of fandom amongst people, I think. Yeah, because things are going to have to change, because we're getting... Uh, our football team is becoming more popular, you know, and if we're going to be moving to ESPN games, you know, we're going to need, right. we're going to need to match that energy of all the other teams that are on the ESPN, you know, so. Right. It's like you sold out half a stadium for six games. Now let's do it with a full stadium. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, yeah. Let's make Reacher really an impenetrable fortress. Yeah. But it is a good time there. So people will be attracted to it. That's for sure. 
That's uh, that's my five. That's your five. I think we had some crossovers there, but I'm excited to hear what you guys think. If you have anything that we missed that you thought would be a nice touch uh, to a season ticket holder membership, let us know. I'll continue on here. We'll wrap up um, the weekend in Pac-12 sports uh, in the baseball world. Uh, maybe I'll briefly discuss uh, UCLA winning the Pac-12 tournament. But uh, or No, Arizona won the Pac-12 tournament, huh? Arizona, did. Arizona one, yeah. Shows you how much I watched after the beefs kind of uh, fell yeah, out there. So that's okay. We'll get into it there, and then we'll take a look ahead at the Beavers' midweek series against Nevada and recap their uh, series loss to the Cougs the day before, and go back over the predictions. But uh, Henry, thanks for coming on. You're the very first guest on the Beaver Man Beat podcast, and uh, something that you'll be able to tell your grandkids about. I will put it on my gravestone. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, and uh, now we'll switch up and get into that recap. All right, guys. Well, how about that, huh? The very first one, I think we started with a bang. Uh, kudos and thanks again to, to Henry for coming on. Um, anybody is all and always welcome to come on and join the show. Let me know if you have any interest uh, in, in tuning in, and we'll cover something. Uh, anything you like, anything you like, uh, give us an, give me an idea, and I'll, I'll curate some thoughts on it, and we'll get it going. Uh, so thanks again. What a time. What an interview. Uh, what a way to kick things off there, huh? Uh, all right, so now getting into the aforepromised uh, Pac-12 power rankings and a little bit of a recap over the weekend of what went on in Pac-12 play. And the biggest shocker, in my opinion, I think is going to have to be Stanford. Nope. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be USC taking two of three from Stanford. Uh, I think Stanford... Was uh, I thought Stanford would sweep this series, I think, is my official prediction. Uh, they took game one, and I thought I was looking great. And then uh, lost two and three there to a, maybe a sneaky, resilient USC team. I'm not sure that they had some tough losses early on in the year. I mean, some things that weren't falling their way, maybe, but maybe that's a club that's figuring things out, and Stanford's stifling a little bit. Um, I don't think it impacted Stanford too much on my power rankings, as you'll see. Um, and then other than that, surprise-wise, i got to give it to Arizona. Um, I was not high on the Wildcats after losing 2 of 3 at home to West Virginia and losing a couple of Mississippi State and uh, just some tough opponents there. They welcomed Cal onto their turf, and um, a team that I was high on in Cal, and swept them. Uh, so Arizona, kudos to you on the sweep. You are the only team to make it out of the weekend with a three-game sweep in conference play. And Arizona State is the lone team to not have kicked off conference play yet. They took care of business and swept UC Davis, um, which unfortunately for them does not reflect as highly in the power rankings as um, a conference win or two might. Um, so getting into it in 11th place and still your 11th place in the Pac-12 power rankings. It is the Utah Utes. Um, they did squeak one out in Seattle. They stole one. And then game three on Sunday was 3-0. to zero. Uh, I just don't think winning one game over a Washington club is nearly enough to kind of bring you out of that cellar that you guys are in. Um, the only team under 500 overall-wise. Uh, USC is at 500, I suppose, with their tie included. But I got to have Utah in there at the bottom. Uh, moving up to number 10 it is going to be the Sun Devils, and this is mainly just because I had a pretty tough time slotting them over teams uh, that 
I, mean, I can't say don't have a Pac-12 win because they put Cal above them, but didn't play a Pac-12 opponent. Uh, you beat UC Davis three times. I'd expect that. I would hope so. Um, if you lost any of those, you might be below Utah here. But um, kudos to you. You'll open up Pac-12 play this weekend um, and, and maybe have some, some room to jump there. Uh, moving up to number nine and probably the biggest fall over the week is Cal. Um, I believe I had Cal at number five. They're down at number nine after getting swept on the road at Arizona. Um, I mean, this is kind of how I alluded to the first couple releases of the power rankings. It's, these are all so tight between like four and eight, four and nine. Uh, so it's going to be wins and losses. I mean, one win, one loss that's really going to determine uh, your final positions here on these rankings. Uh, number eight, Oregon. Um, stole game one from UCLA, and I thought that they were going to really give UCLA a run for their money in this series. Uh, UCLA took game two in what was a closer game, um, but then game three, I think, was 9-0 to zero before the first inning, and before Oregon got to see a pitch, it was 9-0, um, which I enjoyed. I thought that was great. Uh, so I'm kind of blown out and embarrassed on Sunday on your home turf in front of nobody. Uh, I watched for a little bit. Um, Oregon, I've got you slotted at eight right now. Just a tale of two teams every weekend, it seems. I just can't figure out what that Oregon team is. Um, that, if they would have just lost that first game, they would have a perfect season of being either swept or sweeping. Um, so I need a little bit of consistency from that team before they can move up too far in these power rankings of mine. Uh, number seven is going to be the Washington Huskies out in Seattle up on Mont Lake. Um, two of three from Utah. I predicted a sweep. I would have liked to see a sweep. A sweep would have uh, gone a long way in putting you up higher in these standings. Um, but uh, you've got a chance this, this coming weekend. Um, kind of prove it again and show me what you've got. But I think for now, you're good at seven, just below middle of the pack. And the middle of the pack will go to the Oregon State Beavers, dropping three spots from number three to number six. Um, Wazoo's not a bad team. I like Washington State. Obviously, they're number four in my power rankings. I just, uh, with the performances of Arizona and USC, I couldn't, in, in good faith, I couldn't keep Oregon State higher than those two schools. Uh, so with that being said, number five is USC. They've made the biggest jump in the power rankings, going from 10 all the way to 5. Um, but that's what a series win over the number two team in the country can do for you, especially when they're in your own conference. Um, so uh, a really good weekend showing for USC as uh, things start to get going more and the season starts to get longer. Um, it's becoming more less so about head-to-head record, more so about overall, which is why they're still behind Stanford. Um, I do think if Stanford plays them in uh, Palo Alto, I think it's probably has a different uh, ring to it. I think Stanford probably takes two, maybe all three. Um, we'll see how Stanford plays at home this weekend against the Beavs. Uh, number four, uh, another big jump. I think they went from nine to four is Arizona. Um, but same deal. I had California pretty highly ranked in my rankings, and you swept them. Uh, so all the power to you, all the credit to you. And let's see, getting into the top three here. I think we all probably have a good idea where we're looking at. Um, and we're going to start with number three and Washington State. Uh, the Cougs are starting to look more and more legit. 
Um, t- 13 and 2. Is that the record heading out of this weekend? 13 and 2, 2 and 1 in Pac 12 play. Um, I don't know, guys. It's tough to say, but this Coug team might uh, might have something going on for them. Um, I'm excited to see what they can do this upcoming weekend. I think they've got another test coming for them uh, when they play uh, Oregon. They're hosting Oregon. Um, they've got a chance to sweep. And really, if they sweep Oregon, this might be a top 15, a top 10 program in the country um, on the on the outset of that weekend. That's really, really impressive if they can do that and set themselves up um, really off to a hot start in Pac-12 play. So that's going to be a series that I keep my eye on as we're going into the weekend. Um, I'll have a full weekend preview and predictions on the Thursday episode, but... Um, but yeah, they've got a real good chance to start the season off hot. And a little flip-flop again at the number one and two position. I feel like these two might just be switching up in my power rankings week after week. Um, Stanford is going to hold the number two spot for the second time out of three Pac-12 power rankings. And UCLA will take the number one spot. Uh, UCLA, the, the loss to Oregon, I can look past it. Uh, they won the series on the road where Stanford dropped the series. Um on the road so that is the real reason for the switch up there and also something that a little late but just popped into my mind that that ends Oregon's home game streak uh, so Oregon has played all 14 games so far of the season in Eugene um, so they will be traveling to Pullman this weekend to, for their first road games um, they've even got a home game tomorrow against Niagara which if they don't win that game they will fall pretty severely um, just because the University of Portland has been throttling that team and I expect this they play them tonight and I expect them to beat up on them again um, so we'll see there and I sure hope that uh, I don't know. I don't want to say that over the air I'm trying to say they even keeled here but uh, that is the Beaverman beat power rankings of the week um, we'll tweet those out a little bit later so we can get those up and kind of curate some discussion there. It'll be UCLA, Stanford, Washington State, Arizona, USC, Oregon State, Washington, Oregon, Cal, Arizona State, and still at number 11, the Utah Utes. Um, That's going to wrap it up for me today. This is the longest episode to date. We're creeping up on a little over three quarters of an hour. Uh, So thanks for tuning in today. Hope you are all making it through. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, the interview and having somebody else on the podcast rather than myself. Um, But yeah, let me know what you guys think. And I look forward to hearing from you and engaging with you guys on Twitter and getting another episode out on Thursday to you guys. All right, I will uh, leave it at that. Have a good one. Thank you very much for listening. I'm happy, man. Have a good day.